Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 56 of No Rain Date, your local news and information podcast covering Saucon Valley, Southern Lehigh, Fountain Hill, and Upper Bucks. I'm Josh Popachak, the host of No Rain Date and the publisher of Saucon Source, here with the headlines for the week ending May 29th, 2021. It is the end of May, and of course that means it's Memorial Day weekend, and it's been a Memorial Day weekend to remember just as everybody is getting back on track to socialize and enjoy events again, thanks to the higher level of vaccination that we have now against COVID-19, Mother Nature decided to throw a monkey wrench into things, as she often does, and gave us one of the coldest, wettest Memorial Day weekends we've had in quite a few years. Certainly the coldest Memorial Day weekend I can remember. The temperatures have been hovering in the 40s with rain off and on, sometimes heavy. Luckily, there hasn't been any flooding so far anyway, but it's put a damper on traditional Memorial Day plans, which often include opening the pool, taking a dip, grilling outside, all those things that we do to symbolically start the summer. They're delayed a bit thanks to the weather that we've been having. It also put a bit of a damper on the traditional Memorial Day service that the Hellertown American Legion holds at Hellertown Union Cemetery. They were able to have the ceremony on Sunday, and we have photos of that, of course, on Sock and Source. But due to the drizzle and chilly temperatures, attendance was a bit lower than normal but still obviously a very meaningful event for those who went and for all of us. Hopefully, we should not forget the meaning of Memorial Day. It is a solemn day that's set aside to honor the men and women who have made the ultimate sacrifice defending American freedom. Far too often, we get caught up in the material aspects of the holiday, the sails and the trips to the beach, Hopefully not this year, but in in a normal year, that's often something people do. So it's maybe a good thing that the weather was not ideal because I think it is cause for reflection, and many of us need to do that, myself included. I am certainly grateful for those sacrifices, and I hope you are too. But we will soon have summer weather back again. It's just a matter of days. And that's a good thing because there are many outdoor events planned for the next two weeks. And then beyond that, well into the summer, Uh, it's going to be not entirely a normal summer, but it's certainly going to be much closer to normal than 2020 was when almost everything was canceled. Some of the upcoming events that will be outside are the Hellertown Community Yard Sale. That is being held on Saturday, June 5th in Hellertown and Lower Saucon. We are going to be publishing a map and list of all the sales. And I'm happy to report that as of Sunday, 
we had over 80 confirmed yard sales in Hellertown and Lower Saucon. By the time the map is published, I expect that number to be over 100. And some of these are multifamily sales too. Several of them are being held at local churches or clubs. There's going to be a lot of activity and a lot of bargains if you're in the market. Definitely you want to head over to Hellertown and Lower Saucon on Saturday. But before that, check out our map. We will be sharing it, of course, on Facebook and Instagram. It'll be in our newsletter. The yard sale is from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. It is sponsored by Trish Husted of Coldwell Banker Harside Realtors in Hellertown. Thank you, Trish, for always being the yard sale sponsor. And it, it is a beloved event after this many years. I know people were bummed that it did not happen in 2020. I know some people have a yard sale every year. They just have that much stuff, I guess. But uh, you never know what you're going to find. I've certainly found some very cool pieces over the years. I'm an antique lover, so I tend to look for older pieces, especially Hellertown and Saucon Valley memorabilia. And I've definitely found some of that over the years. So hopefully we'll have perfect weather for that. I would encourage you, if you are in town for the yard sale, make a day of it. Stop in a local restaurant and get lunch too. Support the local businesses while you're here supporting the yard sale hosts. It's going to be a fun time for sure. Also, this coming weekend, it will be a graduation weekend. Saucon Valley High School's class of 2021 will graduate at the school district stadium on Friday evening. Saucon Source, of course, will be there to cover that. Last year's ceremony, if you'll recall, was drastically changed, but they were able to hold it. It was essentially a drive-through ceremony held at the bus loop in front of the high school. It was kind of cool in a way because it was very intimate. That was something that, that I'll always remember about it. I was talking to Chris Christian, our photographer, about that, reflecting on those memories of last year. Certainly this year is not going to be that intimate, but I, it will still be quite different from the traditional ceremonies Saucon Valley holds, which are inside the auditorium at the high school. I have never attended a graduation ceremony in the school district stadium. I don't know when the last time one was held. It was certainly have been many years ago if it was ever held there. So we'll be charting uncharted waters, so to speak. But the main thing is that we will be there to cover the accomplishments of this amazing class and wish them the best in their future endeavors. And I know it will be an inspiring event as it always is. So look for our coverage of that this coming weekend. Another big outdoor event that is being planned for the weekend is the first Music in the Park concert, which will be held this Sunday, June 6th at Dimmick Park. Music in the Park is an annual free summer concert series that is organized by the Hellertown Lower Saucon Chamber of Commerce in 2020 due to restrictions on gatherings. The series was obviously not held, but it is back for 2021. And there are four concerts planned throughout the summer. The first group performing is South Penn Dixie, which is a modern country band. I have not heard them perform, but I've heard great things about them. 
put on your dancing shoes if you're planning to attend because I think it's going to be a very lively show. Of course, there will be food trucks present and there will also be beer and wine available for purchase from our local wineries and breweries. Black River Farms of Lower Saucon will be there with their wines and Lost Tavern Brewing of Hellertown will be there with excellent craft beer. For seating, you'll want to bring a blanket or folding chairs for seating on the grass. And there's plenty of room to spread out. There's a playground in the park for the kids if they get a little bored listening to the music. So it should be a fun evening. We're looking forward to being there. And then the following weekend, the big event will be the opening of the Hellertown Pool for the first time since 2019. That is Saturday, June 12th at noon. After that, the pool will be open daily from noon to 7 p.m., weather permitting, through late August. Pool passes are on sale at Hellertown Borough Hall. That's Tuesday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., and then again, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. You still have time to get a season pass. We have information about the rates as well as daily admission costs in our recent story on sockandsource.com. You can also find more information at hellertownborough.org and pool passes will be on sale on opening day at Borough Hall as well. It will be a little bit different this year. The Bethlehem YMCA is going to be managing the pool as far as daily admissions and the borough will still be managing the concession stand. As far as Restrictions uh, for COVID-19, I don't believe there's going to be much in the way of that. But like I said, there is a new organization that's going to be managing the pool day to day. So we'll, we'll see how that goes and anything related to that that the community needs to know about. We will share that information, of course. In news from Lower Saucon, Johnny had a story this week about blessing boxes that are being installed at two township parks. If you're not familiar with what a blessing box is, it's another word for a micro pantry. The micro pantry is essentially a cupboard on a post that's put in a public location and filled with non-perishable food items. Anybody can come and take the foods that is in need. These may include things like box macaroni and cheese or pastas, canned soups, things like that. Things that will not be damaged by the weather or you know extreme temperature changes, things like that. So we already have a few of these blessing boxes in Hellertown. I remember when the first one was installed outside Dewey Fire Company probably about five years ago and they've sort of been multiplying ever since then. There are also blessing boxes at Hellertown Borough Hall, at First UCC, and at Christ Lutheran Church on Main Street in Hellertown. Obviously, all of these are in the borough, and Lower Saucon is a much bigger area, so I think the rationale for adding more was to make them more accessible to local residents facing hunger who may not live in Hellertown. The group Hellertown Lower Saucon Neighbors Helping Neighbors, this is a Facebook group, they are really the ones who spearheaded this initiative to add blessing boxes in Lower Saucon. They went before Township Council earlier this month and won permission to install 
one blessing box in Town Hall Park, which is on Old Philadelphia Pike, and another one in Steel City Park on Riverside Drive. That's obviously in Steel City at the other end of the township. The leader of the initiative, Chris Lockett, commented for our story that the food items seem to be disappearing more rapidly in recent months and and perhaps over the past year. I wouldn't doubt that that has something to do with COVID-19 and the economic impact it has had on many families. We're continuing to see that and unfortunately there is still stigma, especially in smaller communities when it comes to going to a, a food bank where somebody might recognize you. I've heard that over the years in covering the local food banks that sometimes people, you know, maybe because of the car they drive or for, you know, for the sake of keeping up appearances are too embarrassed to go to a local food bank. So the blessing boxes do fill a need in that sense because they're anonymous. Anybody can walk up and take something at any time. There's no lock on the door. We just hope that, you know, if you depend on them and then, you know, you're doing well later, that that you'll return the favor and and contribute items to them. You can learn more about them in that Facebook group, uh, Hellertown Lower Saucon Neighbors, Helping Neighbors. It's a great group, and I, I really tip my hat to the volunteers who are not only putting up these new boxes, but replenishing the staple items in the existing micro pantries. They're doing a great job and I know it's much appreciated by those in need. Another uplifting story we had was written by Andrew Isaacson. It's about a special volunteer at the Hellertown Area Library. Most of their volunteers walk on two legs but Toby is a four-legged volunteer. That's because he's a greater Swiss mountain dog and Toby is also the library's resident therapy dog. He visits with his owner, Janie Hecker, who's a longtime library volunteer on Mondays from 3 to 4 p.m., and he is the most popular guy in the library that hour, for sure. Basically, Toby is there to be petted and just fussed over. He's a very relaxed guy, and he's had quite the life. He was a successful show dog for years before he became a full-time therapy dog, In addition to visiting the library, he also visits elementary schools, he's visited nursing homes. The benefits of of therapy pets, I know we sometimes hear stories about a therapy peacock or an emotional support llama, but there are real mental and physical benefits to spending time with animals, and particularly cats and dogs, just the act of petting one can lower your heart rate. Uh, That's been proven in scientific studies, and obviously that's a good thing if you have high blood pressure or or something along those lines. And that's that's just the physical benefit. Mentally, they bring smiles wherever they go. So there's the happiness factor. And we think it's awesome that, that Toby is a beloved part of the Hellertown Area Library family now. I hope to meet him one of these days. I'll have to make a special trip when he's up there. Beautiful dog. So check out that story, especially if you're a dog lover. In development and real estate news, we had a story this week about a vacancy in the shops at Hellertown. You may recall that back in April, we reported on the closure of National Auto, 
which had a store in that shopping center for quite a few years, at least 15 years, but probably more than that. And now there's another hole in the shopping center because the auto parts store is gone. There are at least half a dozen vacancies in that shopping center at this point. So when we have a a new vacancy, sometimes what we do is try and get people's perspective on what they would like to see in terms of a new business in that location. And we did that with a story this week, what should go there. And we got some great feedback on our Facebook page. Some of these ideas, I think, were a little bit tongue in cheek, perhaps. Some others may have been serious, but for one reason or another, I don't think they will necessarily be viable for that location, but you never know. I just wanted to share them with you and and then encourage you to uh, jump on that thread if you have an idea for what should replace National Auto. We heard Pizza Shop, although DeMeo's is already in that shopping center and it's a great place to grab a slice or an Italian meal. Convenience stores, Sheets was mentioned, Wawa. Several people wanted subs and suggested Jersey Mike's or Primo Hoagies, Salad Works, Lidl, Aldi, an ice cream shop, Cabela's, a Trader Joe's, an escape room, an arcade, a bakery along the lines of vegan treats in Bethlehem. Somebody suggested expanding the Dollar General store, which is next to the vacant National Auto Space Mexican restaurant, taco shop, clothing store, sneaker store, AutoZone, Joanne Fabrics, Spirit Parade store, which would be pretty seasonal, I guess, Pep Boys, another top of the town. I believe top of the town was a bar in Hellertown back in the day. I'm not sure exactly where that was located, but I'm sure somebody can tell me. Those were the ideas that had been shared as of Sunday. We may get some more still, but I I think it's always a good idea to sort of take the pulse of the community in terms of what they would like. As you can see, food is high on the list, whether it's Mexican or hoagies. If you're thinking about opening a a business in Hellertown, specifically food-related, definitely check out that thread because people have spoken. I'd like to do some more of these posts, specifically with commercial real estate properties in Center Valley and Coopersburg, because we haven't really done that in the past. So if you have an idea for what should go there, you can email it to me, put what should go there in the subject line, send that to josh at sockandsource.com. If I am able to, I will highlight the property and get some ideas from those communities, which I think is a good thing to do. In Upper Bucks news, we shared a story this week about speeding on local roads in Springfield Township. This was based on a notification from the Springfield Township Police Department regarding speeding on Quarry and Groversville roads. Motorists who are detouring around a bridge closure on Richland Town Pike are utilizing these small, narrow, winding local roads the police chief said, to get around the bridge closure. And they're really not designed for heavy traffic, certainly not designed for any type of speeding. Speed limits are 25 miles per hour. 
So that's obviously a concern for the residents and the police who said they will be conducting an enforcement blitz as much as their manpower allows. The official detour around the bridge closure is on State Road and Route 212. So I would encourage you to utilize that route. And certainly if you do not obey the posted speed limits, be respectful of the neighbors who live along those roads. Nobody wants to have to confront a speeding vehicle as they go outside to get their mail or or something like that. So a reminder from Springfield Township Police. In Hilltown Township, we had a story about an arrest of a police officer Officer Matthew Reese, who has been with the Hilltown Township Department for 18 years, was charged this past week with 13 counts of child pornography. The charges were brought by the Montgomery County detectives who investigated Officer Reese over a period of weeks after they received a cyber tip regarding some online alleged online activity. Matthew Reese is a resident of Palm in Upper Hanover Township, Montgomery County. The case was significant in that Bucks County District Attorney Matthew Weintraub also weighed in on it with a post on Crime Watch in which he said that although there is no evidence that Officer Reese engaged in any type of nefarious activity on duty, they will be reviewing, the District Attorney's Office will be reviewing cases in which he was involved in the Hilltown Department. Another story from Upper Bucks uh, concerned an accident on Route 309 south of Quakertown. State police at Dublin investigated this accident and concluded that it was the result of illegal racing on the highway. This was in West Rock Hill Township. One of the racers, alleged racers, got away from the scene. The other was involved in an accident involving a tractor trailer. Police said he was seriously injured. It's a 27-year-old man from Quakertown. We will certainly follow up on that story if charges are filed in that case. Police said it was still under investigation. A different kind of travel and and kind of race was a subject of another story and, and a positive story. We shared news of a Hellertown couple, Joel and Jessica Nankman, who are avid cyclists. They recently completed an endurance test called Crush the Commonwealth, which is a 380-mile bike ride across the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, This year's challenge began in Pittsburgh and ended in Center City, Philly. The Nankmans completed it in 33 hours, which I think is remarkable, and they only got about an hour's worth of sleep during that period. You obviously have to know what you're doing and do some training to even attempt this challenge. The Nankmans are are well qualified in that regard. They have a blog called Adventures in Cycling, and I would encourage you to follow that. I I think they are amazing as far as their their athleticism, and they're representing Hellertown well in the world of cycling. So congratulations on that, and they said they plan to uh, attempt it again next year and do even better as far as their, their time goes. So we wish them best of luck in that. Those are the headlines for the week ending May 29th, 2021. We hope you have a great week. Here at Sock and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. 
a large part of that is a public service and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sockin Source and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially the membership is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community and it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members and thank you for considering becoming a future member. It's my pleasure this week on No Rain Date to welcome our special guest who has a great knowledge of the local real estate market here in the Lehigh Valley, which is always of interest to our listeners and myself, Allison Corradini. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. And we recently published a story about you and the business that you and your partner, Fritz Rosette, started called Rosette Homes. Now, I want to get into this in a little bit, but just to start off, I'll let our listeners know that, that it's sort of a unique business concept and it's, it's like a hybrid real estate and contracting business. And you are the realtor side of things, and Fritz is the contractor side. So you make a great team. And I think that's such a cool concept, which makes a lot of sense in this day and age when people want to save time and and streamline things. And you each get to sort of like network within other pools of people by partnering together. But let's go back to the beginning and talk about the history of the business and specifically how you first became interested in real estate. Yeah, for sure. So years ago, I was, I remember when I was a child and I would visit family out of town in Florida. I grew up in Northeastern Pennsylvania. And I remember noticing the houses were very different from the coal region to the middle of Florida in Orlando, Florida. And I I remember asking people, like, why are the houses so different here? They're all ranchers and none of them have basements. And, (laughs) you know, most eight-year-olds aren't noticing that kind of thing. But so that was like, looking back, that was one of the first times that I was, I I remember really getting into, you know, architecture and real estate. And then when I was about 12, my parents built a house 
and I, I had a big part in it. Like, I mean, granted, we would just go visit when they were doing the major construction, but once the walls were up, my dad's a really handy guy, so and he really liked saving money, so he did all of the marble himself. He cut it all, he installed it all, he grouted it all, and you know he would use me, and we stained and varnished every door in the house, me and my girlfriend. So hmm. you know that was that was a big part of it too. And then for years, I, I had interest in it. I did other things, and then obviously when those shows came out. You know all those those, those flipper flop and mm-hmm. on those on HDTV, they really, really interested me. And then I made the decision to go for my license, and it's been full speed ahead. Awesome. So, so did you get to do stuff like design your own room, like in the house your parents were building, or? <laughs> Yeah, I got to pick what color carpet, and I got to pick which bedroom, but not too much. But, you know, I remember that was a big deal, picking my color carpet. And I won't ask you what <laughs> picked, year what year picked, that was picked. and what color. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it was like a mob. It was like an 80s mob that okay. was very popular Yeah. back then. <laughs> yeah, that probably would... If you, were, if you were showing a house today with that color carpet in it. Oh, no. <laughs> It would be one of those, that's got to go. <laughs> right, right. No, I hear yeah, you. Yeah, they, they have since put beautiful hardwood in all those bedrooms, so they got rid of the mauve carpet, too. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I mean, updating is critical, and you obviously know that now even more because of being a realtor and the market that we're in. I mean, if a house isn't perfect, it's okay because there's so few houses. Is that right? Exactly. It is. Everybody wants a move-in ready house. Mm -hmm. So move-in ready houses, you're going to nine times out of 10 have some kind of competition, bidding wars, for sure, with move-in ready houses. But this market is so unprecedented that even houses that two years ago would just sit on the market because they seemed, you know, undesirable, whether it was a dated kitchen or a dated bathroom, the inventory is so low, people are still bidding over the asking price because unless there's major structural issues, the houses are moving anyway. It is fascinating to watch. Yeah, I know. I I enjoy like looking at all the new listings and you do see some remarkable things. I mean, I guess it's fair to say that if you're in the market right now, especially in the Lehigh Valley, you, you should be prepared to pay top dollar for what you're buying. Is that right? Yes, it is a great time to be a seller. It's not the best time to be a buyer. The good thing is, now listen, we none of us have a crystal ball. We can't guess where the market's going to be in a year. But I feel that prices are going up across the board in almost every industry. Wages are increasing. I really don't think that even though people are paying a little bit more for houses now than they were a year ago, well, a lot more, I really don't see the value of those homes crashing in a few years that people will be underwater. I really don't think that'll happen. I can't guarantee it, but there's been so much growth in, you know, all those things I just mentioned that, you know, the the housing market, I think these prices are going up and I think they're going to stay up. Right. And another thing that I've read reports on, well, backing up a minute, I mean, I've heard people say, 
oh, this is a housing bubble, you know, it's just like 2008, and it's really not, and you explain that in our interview for this story, so maybe you can, I'm sure you can explain that yeah. better than I can, but, but basically, from what I understand, I mean, the, di- the difference now is that people are, are buying houses and they can actually afford them, right? Yeah. So back in 2008, when that mortgage crisis happened, unscrupulous lenders were doing, and I think this is a common knowledge term, but it, it was called, they were called stated loan mortgages, S-T-A-T-E-D, stated. Mm-hmm. Basically, you had to show no proof of your income. They just took you at your word. And even though getting a mortgage is a pain in the butt, they do that to protect you because some people get idealistic on what they can really afford. So the bank is obviously protecting themselves to make sure you don't end up underwater and unable to make your payments, but they're also protecting you so that you don't end up foreclosing, mm-hmm. you know, in a roundabout way. I can't say there's true altruism there, but right. um, so, you know, back then they were giving loans to people for more value than they were worth. They were variable interest rates. They weren't disclosing the terms, you know, and there was a lot of government oversight after that that has stayed in place and they continue to update it. It's kind of apples and oranges. What happened then was some bad mortgage practices that have since been remedied. Mm -hmm. And now it's a true supply and demand issue. The demand is greater than the supply and it just drives the prices up. And it's an emotional thing too with buying a house. So, you know, people envision like, oh, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to raise my family or this is where I want to retire. And so sometimes money buyers are like, I need to be here. And they'll, they're just willing to bid higher than they would before because, you know, they've, maybe they've lost out on offers previously. Right, right. That can be a huge factor. Now, in terms of the supply being so low, is that related at all to the COVID pandemic? Because I would almost think that if it was that there would be more listings now, if people were holding off then, you know, wouldn't the market be sort of flooded now with new listings? Yeah, so that's a great point. So I do think COVID definitely had a part in that. I think people got scared. So anyone that may have had an inkling of an interest of selling their home and looking for a new one was like, you know what, I'm staying put. It wasn't Mm -hmm. worth the risk because, you know, was their job in jeopardy? A lot of people didn't know. So I think that caused a lot of people to stay put and not sell. And then we also had the moratorium put in place by the CDC, the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures. Mm -hmm. So people that even though that couldn't afford their houses are legally allowed to stay in them. So that moratorium expires on June 30th unless they extend it again. And once that moratorium expires, I think we are gonna see more inventory in the form of foreclosures and evictions and rentals, because even the rental market is competitive as well. Yeah. So I think once that expires, we're definitely gonna see more inventory. But we have, not only has the supply gone down, but the demand has gone up, which is surprising to me, because I, you know, on one side of the coin, I think, okay, people are just wanna stay put, but I. The other factor is people in cities, they were on such strict lockdowns that I think it caused them to reevaluate where they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I just know personally, I know people that decided, you know what, 
life's too short. I want to be closer to family. You know, there's just there's been many different driving factors that the pandemic has opened our eyes to. I mean, even just working from home, people want a house with an office now or people just want a house that they're comfortable in because they were locked up in it for six months. You know, so I think that's why it drove the buyers up, the number of buyers up, and it drove the supply down at the same time, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, everything's connected. And on a related note, I mean, I was sort of thinking about this the other day. I ended up in downtown Allentown for a couple of reasons. And and I was shocked by, like, what a ghost town it was at 5 o'clock on a, on a Friday. And I didn't really connect that with COVID. But, like, somebody said when I posted about this on Facebook, so many of those jobs transitioned to work from home. And they haven't come back. So yes. that's kind of scary because these new buildings were were just yes. built, you know, and that's commercial <laughs> real estate, obviously. But it's also going to impact the residential market there with all these new luxury condos and apartments. I mean, those people that yep. are renting them don't want to live in a ghost town. <laughs> so I'll be curious to see what, what happens with that market. And obviously downtown Allentown is significantly different than like Saucon Valley, you know, in terms of the real estate market, but it's still part of the Lehigh Valley and, and we're, yes. we're not that far away. So, well, kudos to you, Josh, you know, your stuff because <laughs> that is exactly right. I mean, I think about, I mean, there's a big building under construction over near Briningsville or Trexler town. And I think, oh my gosh, they're all offices right? and everything has changed now. You know, and, and it's, you're so right because it does it now that people can work from home and businesses saw their employees can still be productive. They realized, Hey, you know, work-life balance, you have happy employees, you got a good business. So it'll be interesting to see once we fully open up, you know, cause some people are craving to be back in the office and, and to have that you know, personal communication and, and other people are very happy with the changes that have taken place. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that'll go. Oh, me too. And I mean, I've, I'm glad in a sense that the U.S. is discovering that work, working from home is not this like scary thing. I mean, I've done both throughout my career and I am so much more productive, like working alone, working from home. Cause when I worked in a newspaper office it was always like knock knock on the door you know <laughs> coffee break this break that break I mean like there were just a lot of distractions so yeah I totally totally see us evolving in a sense in that way we were talking about commercial new construction what about residential new construction there doesn't seem to be a lot of that right now is that sort of a hangover effect from the pandemic or yeah for sure I mean Residential construction has been on the decline for years. There's different factors at play there too, but the cost of building materials has skyrocketed through the pandemic as well. So, I mean, you're seeing bidding wars even on new construction areas. It really, it's like nothing people have seen in a very, very long time. And, you know, right now it's, it's definitely the shortage in building supplies and the increase in prices mm-hmm. is a huge thing. But even just you have someone that comes down with COVID and you may have to shut down a whole crew. So mm-hmm. there's the, the delays with the actual virus too that are 
that are in place too. So, but I mean, residential construction has been on the decline for years and I can't really explain why that is. I'd have to do some more research on that, but I know I have seen that, you know, as contributing to the housing shortage right now. And I know like there were issues with supplies. I know there was a lumber shortage at one point. I haven't heard about that recently, but I think that was COVID related. So in that industry, like any one component that goes down, it seems like has a big ripple effect. And I mean, what, I mean, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, you know, when there's a hurricane, there's always a run on plywood. Yep. You know, they always run out of it and the prices go up, supply and demand. You know, when the pandemic started, you know, everybody was doing home renovations. And so that drove, you know, because people wanted to renovate their home office or just make their house better because they were in it all the time. But plywood has doubled Hmm. and almost almost tripled in price since then. You know, I hear these things from Fritz because, you know, when he goes and buys the supplies for a job and he's floored. I mean, when he'll have a trailer full of lumber for a roof you know, if it needs replacement of plywood mm-hmm. and he has to protect it so that people don't steal it Wow! because it's so valuable now. Yeah. I'm not sure how we got on this, topic, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it all goes hand in hand. It really does. There was a shortage on appliances last year as well. I remember that. Yeah. It was yeah. like taking months to get a new dishwasher or something. <laughs> yeah. The whole uh, global supply chain has been disrupted and and it's going to take a long time for it to get back to some type of equilibrium. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk more about Rosette Holmes and and Fritz and what he does and, and his experience, his expertise. Can you tell us a little bit? more about his background and and how you guys collaborate sure yeah so we we actually don't work together but our industries coincide a lot so you know we came up with this marketing campaign because a lot of my clients needed a contractor whether it was for an evaluation or you know, sometimes right before closing, something comes up and you need a contractor to say, yeah, you're nay on whether it's a big deal or not. So I, I saw that demand. And then we have, you know, these other factors with the too many buyers, not enough sellers. And they have a lot of freedom as far as not accepting inspections. So a lot of buyers are waiving inspections to get their offer accepted. And so I thought, well, what if I, you know, offered him, you know, I obviously asked him first, I'm like, Hey, would you come with me and see, you know, take a look at this property. You know, I, I get nervous when a buyer is going to waive inspections. I don't recommend it, but Mm -hmm. it happens because people need a house and it's a calculated risk to take. So I said, Hey, you want to come with me on this showing? Let's take a look at this house his expertise is you know he's the eyes of a contractor so not only can he see like hey this electrical does not look right but he can say okay that'll cost five grand to fix so it's a little bit different than an inspection because he can actually tell you how much it'll cost but you know we're doing a showing in a 30 minute increment so it's not as thorough as an inspection but back to his background that was your original question He's third generation in the business. So his grandfather was Meinrod Schnellman, who was a pretty prominent new home builder, you know, throughout the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. 
you know, he has a couple of different developments that if someone owns a Schnellman home, they actually know that they own a Schnellman home because they're hmm. really proud of it. So then when his grandfather retired, Fritz's father and Fritz's uncle took over the business and Fritz just grew up in it. I mean, he was five years old going on jobs, learning the business. And, you know, he was significantly helping when he was in high school. You know, he went away from it for a while. He tried, you know, worked for the private sector for probably 15 years. And mm -hmm. then he realized the demand. And he was still, you know, he still had people calling him because they knew him. So he was still doing jobs, even though he had the other job. And then he finally realized, you know what, I think it's time for me to work for myself again. But it's hard when you have little kids mm -hmm. and a family and your own business. Now that the kids are older, he's been doing great. It's busy. And I, I mean, I hear that a lot. A lot of contractors are very busy. They're overwhelmed with requests for, you know, home improvements, home repairs, remodeling, additions. And I think the pandemic contributed to that as well, because people were locked up in their house. They're like, I hate this kitchen or, you know, whatever right. they wanted to fix. Well, and, and once you once you realize you hate it, you really can't stop unhating it. It's going to keep bothering you <laughs> until you do something about it. So, so I think I think it did open people's eyes to, yeah, things that they had maybe just been able to ignore before that, yes. or you know, live with it. And now it's like, uh, we gotta, you know, update that bathroom or, or whatever. But but he does jobs mm -hmm. of all sizes too, right? It's not just the big jobs; it's little jobs too. Um, he, yeah, he does. I mean, he, he'll do punchless jobs. You know, sometimes someone will call and say, listen, I just have, you know, five little things. But, you know, five little things add up to, you know, a good-sized job. And he, mm -hmm. um, he offers financing now, too, from 0% plans. And, you know, most people really care about their monthly payment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they'll finance, you know, a $40,000 job for, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month for 10 years. So, you know, that's not a zero percent, but a lot, most people are focused on their monthly payment and how it fits into their budget. So that's given more people freedom to do jobs, you know, to have that ability to finance. I mean, of course you can get a home equity loan and all of that, but some, you know, that's, that's a, a process, you know, it could take a month and do you have enough equity in the home and all of that. But he does, he does jobs of any size you know, he does have guys that he works with for HVAC. You know, he can do small repairs, but the big ones he leaves to the, you know, certified professionals. I wanted to touch, too, on appraisals, because this was another subject that came up when we spoke before the article was published. I know that that's sort of having an impact on buyers right now, at least in some cases. Can you explain what the situation is with appraisals? Yeah, so appraisals, from my experience and what I'm seeing, most of the time the appraisals are keeping up. They're coming in a little bit low, but appraisals typically go based by comps. But since there's not a lot of houses moving in certain areas, some of the comps, they're not coming fast enough for the appraisal to keep up. But there are ways to respectfully challenge a low appraisal that I can help with, you know, cause it does happen low appraisals, but you, you know, you want to see what method did the appraiser use? 
And, you know, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. So, you know, nine times out of 10, when you bring up other factors, you know, a low appraisal can be reevaluated. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for the most part, the appraisals are seeing what's happening to the market. So they understand, like, it's an old saying, you know, something is worth what you're willing to pay for it. Well, people are willing to pay for these. Their mortgages are good. So mm-hmm. the appraisal should reflect that. And for the most part, they are. But you still want to be cognizant. You know, that's why if someone wants to list something, they're like, oh, this market's great. I'm going to sell my house for $100,000 more than it's worth. And I'll be real with them. I'll be like, listen, we could try. Mm-hmm. But you got to be real because when the appraisal comes, it's not going to reflect that. Just because, right. you know, one person may be willing to pay that. So you, you got to be a little realistic you know, 10 to 20% over list price is, you know, pretty much the standard right now. If you go over 20%, you risk, you run the risk of a low appraisal, but you just never know. You can get a low appraisal anytime, but you know, there are ways that, you know, I can help with providing the proper comps and, you know, ensuring that the appraisal was done with the right specs. Mm-hmm. I guess, the inverse sort of of that situation which we talked about and this was highlighted in the story is when a buyer wants to purchase a home and they feel it's overpriced and they're questioning you know is this home really worth it and then you said that you would ask them you know well what is it worth to you which i think is a great question to ask in that situation yeah i mean i'm like the worst salesperson ever just to be (laughs) Because I care, I care about people and I don't want them ever to get into a house and be like, oh, Allison talked me into this house. What a terrible idea. Like, that's not how I roll. I have talked many a client out of buying a house because I, I saw they were, they were in a time crunch and they're like, okay, this one will be fine. I'm like, wait a minute. Let's, let's reevaluate. This is, this one's not going to work just because it's available. Doesn't mean it's going to work. So like, I'm kind of like the worst salesperson, but at the same time, you know, if you have a motivated buyer, but they're just dis- discouraged by the prices, mm-hmm. you know, I try to get through to their why, you know, why do you want to move? Why do you want to buy? And if it's important enough, then, you know, what's it worth to you? So, you know, I, I don't want that like phrase to like come off the wrong way because it's not me at all. <laughs> but, well. you know, like for example, the client I had that was renting and the landlord decided now's the time to sell and so they were in a time crunch and they had already been house hunting but the market was so tough mm-hmm. you know there was a few offers not accepted and then once they got the notice that the landlord was selling they were really in a time crunch you know so and you just never know you know if someone has an ill family member or a job change time can be of the essence but i always want my clients to end up where they're going to be happy because it's a big decision and I just want to take care of them. It is, and but, and it may not be their last home buying decision. Plus, people make recommendations to others. So, mm-hmm. I think that's just smart. Being a smart businesswoman, too. I mean, you're you're being empathetic, but you're also like taking the long view of the situation. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they say the average person sells their house five to seven years, which I was shocked it was that low. I thought it would be like twenty. You know, because I know so many people that have been in their house 30, 40 years or I think it's a generational difference because I see a lot of millennials like after just 
not to trash talk millennials, but you know, <laughs> they they like to change their house like we would change our you know socks or something. Car. Yeah. yeah. I just think about like the cycles I went through when I had young kids. I had one house for six years. Mm-hmm. I I was totally a stereotype. I was in my first house with one child for six years. Then when we had the second child, we went to another for six years. Then when we decided we didn't want to live in that area anymore, it was literally six years later, we hmm. went to another house. The six-year so, itch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a highly variable thing. I mean, and I've been in my house for nine years, and, and there are certainly things I don't overdue, like. You're overdue, Josh. You're overdue. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hate moving, though. That's part of oh, it's it. Oh, ter- I know. I it's mean, terrible moving is terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. But I don't know if I'll be there forever. I'm certainly not not that in love with it. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I wanted to sort of maybe like throw out like a hypothetical scenario to sort of illustrate how things are right now with the market and how you help buyers say like a buyer they're a first time buyer and they have a budget of 150 to 200,000 or closer to 200,000 and they want to live in, you know, Saucon Valley or Southern Lehigh. How are you going to approach that relationship and sort of steer them and advise them because it is a tricky market right now. It is very tricky. The 200000 price point is very difficult in Southern Lehigh and Saucon Valley. I mean, even the townhouses are mm-hmm. going for two fifty and up. So it's, it is very difficult. I definitely recommend expanding their search area mm-hmm. if they have the time or look under budget, which is hard because you obviously want the nicest house that you can afford. Right. But the way properties are listed or you know most realtors list their properties at a price based on comps and then they get bid up by the buyers so if your budget's two hundred thousand and you find a house for two hundred thousand i can almost guarantee it's probably going to go for 220. right so you know i i kind of step them down and say hey let's look at like 150 because you'll have more purchase power, you have more bargaining power, and it's just more leverage so that you can say, I'm willing to offer 180 on this $160,000 house, but then the seller sees you're actually approved for 200. They know you're a very qualified buyer. Mm. So it does with making an offer as well. It's a tough thing to accept, you know, when you know like, oh, I can afford 200, this is terrible, but it's the best strategy so that you're not wasting your time it seeing almost, houses, falling in love with them, making plans in your head for two weeks. Right. Or, you know, a couple of days or whatever it is, you make the offer, you go through all of that to find out, you know, over and over and over again, your offer is not ex- being accepted. It's hard. It's very hard. I pull the Band-Aid off pretty quick when I have a buyer approach and their purchase power two years ago would be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would be totally fine. but. I'm very honest with people and I'm like, listen, I, unfortunately you're going to need either more cash for closing or look at a different price bracket because the market is just not where you are, unfortunately. And it's hard, but I'd rather be 
upfront and honest in the beginning. And listen, if they don't believe me, they can go to another realtor and another realtor may show them houses and make multiple offers that won't stick. But I'd rather have a hard conversation up front to either to to set the expectations where they need to be, then break their then watch their heart get broken with every lost offer because it's heartbreaking when they yeah. when you bid on a house and your offer's not accepted because unless it's an investor, investors can brush that off. You know, if there's no emotion involved, but when you're dealing with families or people that you know want to live somewhere, there's emotion involved, and when that offer's not accepted, it's it's tough. I hate making that call sucks right and then yeah when there's kids involved and they're they're you know well johnny won't be able to go to saugan valley elementary and you know like mm-hmm. yep. it, it just not not you johnny but just a theoretical johnny it it yeah i can understand how that would be very difficult to have to manage those expectations and sort of be an emotional support in a lot of ways yeah. for your clients but yeah, that's important. And I wonder too how it, it almost seems like like you're you have to use reverse psychology in a way to to succeed right now. And and that's not something that the shows on HGTV you know represent at all. <laughs> like they're kind of, and I'm sure that fuels people's you know hopes and dreams when they're when they're shopping for houses. That, you know the images that they see in these shows where you have your choice of properties or, you know, that's not reality right now, is it? No, not at all. It's, I joke that they should make a reality show reflecting today's market because mm-hmm. it would be a drama. It would not be like those fun little flipper flops. <laughs> it would be like an extreme <laughs> drama with tears shed. It'd be like Gladiator part two. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> Kamikaze house hunting. Like, <laughs> it's, it's tough. So, and those shows, they don't show all the behind the scenes and, you know, it just says, oh, 30 days later or something, you know, they don't talk about all the negotiations that go on behind the scenes. And I think about, you know, for sale by owner, I mean, it works in this market, but can you as a seller and can you as a buyer overcome all that emotion Mm -hmm. with your property to negotiate effectively? And that's where I come in, you know, because it's hard. I mean, people, even though they're ready to move, that may be their mother's house, that may be the house they raised their children in, that may be, you know, whatever reason they're emotionally attached to a house, even though they're ready to sell. You know, if and a buyer says, oh, well, this, this came up and, you know, people can take offense and say, well, you know, it's just, it's very interesting to see that. And I always try to educate my buyers and sellers, please, understand we need to view this as a business transaction of course there's emotion involved and i am here for that but when it comes to negotiations and going through all of that it is still a business transaction at the end of the day right and the tv shows don't show a lot of that you know they show uh tarik and christina making a phone call and <laughs> right. looks so easy it's a yeah it's a sanitized glamorized version of the process yes. Do you have Did like, you ever see Selling Sunset, Josh, on Netflix? No, but I've heard, I've heard oh, of it. What is that about? Is, so that one's a little more realistic, except it's super glamorous with these beautiful women and million-dollar houses in California. 
like they show houses in high heels and I and I watch I'm like wow that's beautiful but I would be sticking in people's yards like I can't do it like, <laughs> if you want to see the shed in the back I'm going there with you right um, but it's a, it's it's an interesting show to watch with you know some of the negotiations that go on they show more of it which is interesting yeah that one's a little bit different but it's neat because you know then it's a reality show and there's drama and there's you know the glamorous nature of California but they show a little bit more of that negotiation in there too right right I've watched some real estate shows about California listings and wow I mean some of those prices will take your breath away like just (laughs) looking from here it's amazing to me I mean I moved here from northeastern Pennsylvania I grew up in Hazleton mm-hmm. and I mean, I basically replaced my house. It's a very, very similar house. And it cost me a hundred thousand dollars more to buy down here, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, there's a lot more down here. That's why I moved here. But that was, that was really eye opening for me. That was eight years ago now. But then you look at New York and then you right. look at New Jersey, you look at California's prices and you're like, wait a minute. They want a million dollars for a 1200 square foot ranch what like it's it's mind-boggling we see a lot of people come here from jersey because of their taxes especially when they want to retire too right i i mean i i heard overheard a conversation not long ago and they were from new york or new jersey and and a house that was six hundred thousand dollars here was like we can't believe what a bargain this is you know like so <laughs> yes <laughs> what a bargain <laughs> <laughs> it is it is very relative to where you're from and and what your concept of value is based on that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we've talked certainly about the challenges of being a realtor. Like what do you love about being a realtor? What do you, you know, what gets you up in the morning and and puts a smile on your face? I well, first of all, I'm a people person. So I I do love people. That's number 1. But I like the joy that people get when they get their house or when I overcome a challenge for them. It's very fulfilling to me. It's a big purchase. And I want my clients to be 1000% comfortable in what I can bring them. And I just, I do like to help people. I used to work a nonprofit and I think I have a nonprofit heart. And that's this is the complete opposite industry, but I was gonna um, say you're the first realtor I've met who came from with a nonprofit background. <laughs> yeah, it was a natural progression. It really was. I mean, I look back at you know the different paths I've taken in my life, and you know then meeting Fritz, and I love learning about everything that he does. So. And he's always he's impressed. He always gets a, a chuckle when I like understand like a rare construction term or something. But, Mm. you know, I had a little bit of knowledge from when we built that house when I was a teenager. So I kind of have an advanced knowledge of construction, but I just really like helping people. And I just, you know, want them to get the best service they can. I want them to be properly represented. I mean, a lot of people don't realize how real estate even works. You know, the seller has an agent, the buyer has an agent. And, you know, you can have one agent do both roles in the same transaction but it's you know it's always a great thing if you have your own representative i also am extremely fair so i feel you know that i can do both roles if someone chooses that 
because I try to take the emotion out of it and what's fair, you know, for the buyer, for the seller. But then you also have to work in their best interests as well. So it's it's a tough it's it's challenging, which I like a challenge. It's never boring in real estate, but I like the people and I like to help them realize their dream. Nothing better than that. One other thing I wanted to touch on was technology and the role it's playing in today's real estate market and looking ahead to how it's going to impact sales in the future. I know it's it's having a bigger impact since COVID because of, you know, the fact that people had to look at listings remotely and so on. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I remember when we were first house hunting, you know, my daughter's 19. We bought that house. She was six weeks old. So mm-hmm. 19 years ago, there was no internet. <laughs> there was, you couldn't Not for house real hunt estate. on your own unless yeah. you decided to drive around. <laughs> so realtors, real estate agents, you know, had a completely different role than we have now. So, you know, then the advent of the Zillow, the third party app, Zillow, Trulia, that broadcasts the MLS that realtors use, it put that power in the fingertips of the buyers and sellers so they could see, oh, my neighbor's house sold for this. And, you know, it wasn't just, oh, I got to wait for the paper to publish it. Mm -hmm. So all this real time technology changed the role that realtors have. And a lot of people don't see the value anymore because they're like, well, realtor doesn't help me find a house. I find my own house. And that may have changed, but buying and selling a house looks like, oh, a piece of cake, but for it to be completely legal and to protect you as a seller and as a buyer, there's a lot of nuances that require that negotiation. They require forms, they require addendums that, you know, you want to have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted or else there can be litigation. So. Zillow and Trulia are great because I I like an informed buyer. A lot of times, you know, a buyer will come to me. They're like, listen, I know this market's crazy. This is what I'm ready to do. This is what I'm willing to do. I'm like, great. That's wonderful. Sometimes buyers come and they're like, why are these houses disappearing so quickly? They (laughs) They go pending so quickly. I'm like, well, let me tell you why. It's becoming more, the mainstream media is covering it more and more. So the buyers are definitely more informed. But I'm interested to see where the industry is going to go because, I mean, you can't stop progress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Zillow is a brokerage or they're becoming a brokerage. So, you know, I'm interested to see how that's going to change things. And, you know, I want to change with the times. I think, you know, of course, there's drawbacks with all this technology with in every factor of the world. But I do think that there's more benefits than not. And I want to be on top of that and use those tools to the best of my ability because they're great tools. I mean, I I have now a seller's disclosure program. A seller's disclosure is a legal form that a seller has to fill out detailing all of the, any material defects in the property. And if you lie on that, you can be sued by the buyer. Hmm. And the sellers, this new program that I'm using, it's an automated website, it's very secure. I send it to the seller, they fill it out, but it walks them through it. It explains it to them. And they also offer coverage. So, you know, you pay a couple hundred bucks or whatever, and they'll cover $100,000 of potential litigation. So like, 
you know, is it needed? Not for every house, of course not. But, you know, some houses that are older that may have had a lot, you know, some extensive repairs, maybe a flip, things that, you know, you're just not sure what may crop up. You know, if a buyer decided to come after you in litigation, you'd have some coverage. I mean, there's just all kinds of programs now that are so helpful. I mean, there's a there's a company out there right now called Riven, hmm. and they will convert your mortgage to cash. Now, they're not available in Pennsylvania. I'm really sad about it because I think it would really give me an edge for buyers. But, you know, you have a Riven. Riven, it's a brand name. It somehow converts your your conventional mortgage to cash for the buyer or the seller rather. Wow. So, um, you know, sorry I went down a, like a tangent. I get excited about it because I hear about these new programs. Like, ooh, what's this new one? How's this going to help? So yeah, it's, that's exciting. I, I, I encourage it. I love it. We had talked about this before too. Like, in my opinion, I don't think real estate can ever get to the self service model of like a Carvana. Because, I mean, a car comes off an assembly line. You know, you can price it, spec it entirely yourself. You don't need that whole song and dance that we go through at the dealership, in my opinion. But a house is, the transaction is so much more complex. There are so many more variables, you know, even with a new construction house. I just don't see how you would ever take the human element out of the sales process. I know. There are some brokerages that are trying that out in other markets where they qualify the buyer and then they have a lockbox that the buyer can open themselves and they can tour the house themselves. Mm-hmm. And I could see how people would like that. But, you know, when you have an experienced realtor to help you, like I can look at a roof and I could tell you approximately how old it is. You know, I could tell you approximately the age of that heating system. You know, like I think there's there's something for everyone. So just like Carvana and them are still in business and doing well, you know, there are some people that want that level of service. And then there are others that want someone there to hold their hand. And I don't mean that in a, in a disparaging way at all, but you know, that's, I facilitate that transaction. I keep, you know, the lender, the appraiser, the inspector, I keep everybody on track, informed, communicating, and then I cover all the bases and answer all the questions that, you know, if you're just doing it kind of, kind of on your own, you don't get that personalized attention. So I I kind of agree with you, but at the same time, I think there's going to be people that are, that would love that. You know, oh, absolutely. Think... Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I, and I and I totally yeah. can see parts of the process becoming self-service. But ultimately, I mean, I feel like if we're going to try and apply like AI or something to real estate, that's not going to work. You have to have experience as part of the equation. Yeah. I mean, that AI, I mean, those algorithms that they use, you know, you'll see on certain websites it's an estimate of what your house is worth mm-hmm. or an estimate of whatever house you're looking at is worth. And they're not always accurate. Nine times out of 10, they're not because there's a lot of factors that go into the value of a home that you can't just type into a computer. You know, like, is there a flood zone right across the street? It may not be in a flood zone. You know, just the, all these little different things that people may not think about 
but I will point out to them, like, you know, like, hey, that lot behind you, that's a great lot. It's empty. That's beautiful. You have nothing there, but guess what's coming in five years? You know, they're putting a new Costco there or whatever. Right. You know, that kind of that kind of stuff. And there I am talking myself out of a sale again. But like, that's what I'm going to do, because I don't <laughs> I would I would hate to be that person like, oh, I'm going to buy this house. And it turns out they're putting a Wawa in the backyard or and nobody told me, you know. So, yeah, I agree. Right. I think it's needed. But I like people. So and people never <laughs> seem to think about how the landscape or the streetscape around them is going to change which is a factor in almost all sales unless you can like buy a house on like a huge piece of land in the middle of nowhere which you know how many people do that not around here so yeah I mean that that's a great point and yeah I mean especially if you're looking at houses in a suburban area or or someplace like Hellertown where there's a lot of changes you know along the main street corridor new businesses you're not entitled to like have the same you know surroundings once you buy that house forever so yeah it's tough you know whenever there's new development you know there's you know in southern lehigh we had a new new housing complex being put up on locust valley in the mm-hmm. old golf course yeah there's a townhome community proposed somewhere over by Putyu. Mm-hmm. you know and 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 i understand the neighbor's frustration with that but i mean you can't stop progress you know fritz was born and raised here so i mean when he grew up here he he tells me it was just worlds apart of what it is now he said it was cornfields he said there was nothing here mm-hmm. other it was you know very rural it's amazing how it all changes over time you know and i mean even 78 went through some people's backyards <laughs> so 78 um, is a huge dividing line in people's memories especially in hellertown uh, because uh, if you were alive then it really there was before 78 and after 78 yep. It it changed the area forever, and it would have been even more drastic if they had built the exit on 378 that was originally planned, but the residents, a lot of residents of Lower Saucon were able to successfully fight that, and I don't know how they did it. They must have known some really powerful people because it's tough (laughs) to fight, you know, something like that, but... but I thought it. I didn't know that. That is interesting. Yeah. Exactly exactly where you mean that that would be a nice exit to have I will say but not for the people living there <laughs> no yeah. no and I and it was yeah, a lot of sure. um, Bethlehem steel executives I think because in the 80s you know the steel was still going and they had some clout so it did it did preserve you know the sort of the the character of of those neighborhoods yes, which has been sure. a good thing well I would love to keep going. <laughs> we'll have to do a part two, I think, especially with <laughs> with the market and and the way it's evolving. Like maybe maybe in the summer or or fall, we can update our listeners on on where things are. But in the meantime, can you just explain like how our listeners can connect with you online, email, and, and talk about your website a little bit? Yeah. So you can. Check out our website and our social media, Rosette Homes, R-O-S-E-T, homes.com. I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, new construction homes. I'm like, no, we just deal with homes. So, 
and you know it just has Fritz's information, some of the before and afters of the work he's done, and then I'm I'm it has to be updated, but I'm working on updating some more things as far as real estate. I mostly keep up with the social media, and uh, that's Rosette Home Six One O on Instagram and Facebook, and I think TikTok too. And, yeah, um, yeah so I you can... can reach out to me. I'm with EXP Realty, and I would be happy to help any of your listeners if they're buying, selling, even if they just had questions. You know, I'm I'm here for questions. I don't, you know, if somebody's like, how much is my house worth? You know, I want to sell, but I'm not sure. I'm not going to harass people. It's not, I don't want anyone to do anything they don't want to do. Yeah, Wonderful. I'd love to hear from anybody. So reach out to Allison if you have questions about real estate and who doesn't anymore. It's a tough tightrope to walk, uh, whether you're you're renting, looking to buy your first home, or trying to, you know, maybe even downsize. You have a lot of things to consider. So Allison, thank you so much for joining us on No Rain Date, and we look forward to having you on again. Thanks so much, Josh. I really appreciate it. We've been recording No Rain Date since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing. What makes you tune in every week? What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Every night, he climbs the tower, sees your face on every dollar.